welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. Good. Well, my name is Seth. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's my privilege to share the Word of God with you this morning. Now, before we start, I'm actually going to share some very interesting statistics with you about an interesting topic. Can I do that? I want to share them with you because I think they're interesting and some of them funny. Uh, I'll say some of them because some of them may actually include you, all right? So basically, it's uh, statistics taken on the top modern fears, top modern fears. And I say modern because apparently as society changes, what we're afraid of also changes. Our fears change. Okay, so here we go. One of the many, many stats available. Number 10, are you ready for these? Are you ready for these? Okay, here we go. Number 10, spectrophobia. Oh, you hate that. I can see that you've got it. And when I explain what this is, why, what this is you'll understand why he probably has it. Spectrophobia is the fear of mirrors. Walk right into it, Glenn. Thank you. Love it. I hate that one. I hate the fear of mirrors. But I'm sure we all get that from time to time, particularly in the mornings. Number nine, acrophobia, which is the fear of heights. And I admit to that one, I hate heights. I get scared on high heels. So I, I'm really bad with, with heights. Um, any height, even this gets me a bit dizzy sometimes. Next one, nomophobia. And this is a real phobia now. It's been out of mobile contact. Why is everybody looking at the young people? Come on. Now, I know you're laughing, but come on, be honest. How many people here freak out if they leave their phone at home? Come on, be honest. Exactly. You're all no more phobics. Next one. Egasophobia, which is the fear of work. Oh. And come on, be honest. On a Monday morning, who's ever had a bit of, uh, how do you pronounce it? Egasophobia? Maybe a little bit. Glenn's very quiet now. He's not like walking into anything. Number six, here we go. Top 10 modern phobias. Ephebiphobia, which is the fear of teens. Some people actually have the f- a fear of teens. Not in this church, of course. Look at them, they're awesome. Give them a big clap, come on. We don't fear you, we love you. Number five, necrophobia, the fear of death. There we go. Number four, the fear of... No one's clapping that, fair enough. Um, number four, the fear... Uh, neophobia, the fear of newness things being new. There we go. So some of you might struggle with it. Number three, I'm scared of pronouncing this one. It's arachibatyrophobia, which is the phobia of having peanut butter stuck to the roof of your mouth. Some people actually fear that. Have a real fear and thing about that. Number two, papaphobia, which is the fear of the Pope. I'm going to walk right away from that one. Thank you. I think, I'm sure he's a lovely man. And number one, glossophobia, the fear of public speaking. This thing right now. And uh, number one, public speaking. Number five, death. That means that if you're at a funeral, you're better off in the casket than doing the eulogy. People are more scared of public speaking. Thank you. Boom, boom. Where's, where's the drama? Anyway, top 10 modern fears and phobias. Now, who could relate to some of them? Yeah, some of you? I know I can to a couple of them. Who here is afraid of nothing? Anyone? Yeah, a couple of you? Fantastic. Good on you. Yeah, you're obviously afraid of the truth because the truth is, I reckon we're all afraid of something, I reckon. 
So that'd be a lesson to you, don't heckle. Anyway. <laughs> now, the reason why I mentioned that, I think they are interesting, but in all the research that I did, in all the stats that I, that I took and uh, spoke to people about, there was one common element that was missing from people's fears. There is one thing that people are seemingly not afraid of, either Christian or non-Christian. And I, I thought it was very interesting, so I thought I'd share it with you this morning. The one thing that people don't seem to fear is God. I didn't see God appear in any of the stats that I read. And maybe you fall in this category as well. Maybe you too don't have any fear of God. I don't know. But I think it's a good question to ask ourselves. Do you fear God? And if you do, how do you fear him? And if you don't fear God, why not? Should you fear God? I think there's a good question to ask ourselves for many reasons, but one of them is because the fear of God is a concept that we find throughout the Bible. It's throughout Scripture. The Bible either describes it or prescribes it. That means that, you know, the Bible describes times where people feared God, and we are to follow that example. There are other times when we find in the Bible that the Bible prescribes the fear of God. It tells us, fear God. Fear God. It's actually a command in the Bible. You must fear God. It's over 30 times. So I ask you here, how many people can really look at their fears here this morning and say, yep, God is right up there with them. I fear God. I mean, we seek him as our healer. We seek him as our friend and our comforter. We worship as our Lord. And he is all these things to be sure, absolutely. But how many of us actually do truly fear him as the Lord of all lords? as the king of our lives. That's why this morning I'm just going to very briefly talk about the concept of the fear of God. I've called my message this morning, Fear Factor. And I've called it Fear Factor simply because I, it is my contention to you this morning that there needs to be an element of fear in our walk with God. It needs to exist. It needs to be part of our relationship with him, of our ongoing relationship with him. So we're going to look at a few things about what the fear of God actually is. Because having said that, we need to look at what the actual Bible says the fear of God is. Because there are many misconceptions, I believe, and misunderstandings as to what the fear of God actually is. So can we look at a few things this morning that I believe the Bible says about the fear of God? Is that okay? Fantastic. All right. Now... This one, this one I think is going to be a little bit unpopular because I know many people have set ideas on this. But one of the things that I truly believe, stay with me, I truly believe the fear of God actually is, is this. It's real fear. It's trembling fear. Real trembling fear. It's got a scripture for you that I want to read to you. Philippians 2, 12, 13, it says... Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. The fear of the Lord involves trembling. Now, like I said, a lot of people don't believe that. Don't see it that way. Many people choose to believe that the fear of God simply means to be in awe of him, to be overwhelmed by his majesty. Other people believe that it is just fear and trembling because he's, God's got an anger management problem and he wants to smite you the moment you step out of line. 
Other people believe it's a bit of ambivalence. That, you know, yeah, it's, it's fear mixed with terror. And look, some of these things may have element of the truth. But one of the points that I want to make to you this morning is this. Is that the Bible uses the word fear in different contexts at different times. And the way that the word fear is being used in this context means trembling fear. Real fear, the fear that you feel when you see a train coming toward you. Real trembling fear. The word here used for fear is a Greek word called phobu, which simply means the causing of terror, the causing of real panic. For example, to be put to flight because you're so scared. When this word was chosen, it was chosen for that meaning that we are to fear God, there needs to be an element of fear in our relationship with him where we are struck down with real terror and fear. Now, some of you may be wondering, how is that possible? How can we possibly fear, with trembling fear, a loving God, a good God, a merciful God, a kind God, a God who's forgiven all my sins? Let me answer that question with an illustration. I truly believe that God, that we can fear God with trembling fear and yet love Him, just like children can simultaneously love their parents and also fear them at the same time. That's how it's possible. And He is our Heavenly Father. I know that my children love me and I love my children. I spend most of my time affirming them, enjoying them, having fun with them, challenging them. But I tell you, there is a voice that I have that they know and recognize. And when they hear that voice, there's a certain tone in my voice that I have drilled into them that they know that when they hear that voice, I tell you what, they cover their backsides. As soon as I I, I speak in that tone of voice, the clever ones actually jump to the floor and cover their their backsides with the floor with their hands. As soon as they hear that voice, one of them is really clever. When I'm telling one of them off, she comes in and she's so scared of that voice that she comes in and she says, "Um, it wasn't me. Whatever you're telling her off for, I didn't do it. And she just walks off. And she comes back, just throwing it out there. Whatever's happening here wasn't me, it was her. And she just runs away because she is terror stricken at my discipline. From very early on, I wanted to teach my children what the word no means. And so I put the fear of God into them. Now when I say no, they know what I mean. When I say the word now, they know what I mean. They know that it means now. Now, my son as well, we're doing a little word association game. And, uh, you know, we said to him, what do you think of when you think of mum? And he goes, cuddles. (laughs) Exactly, you know where I'm going with this. Nanny, lollies, granddad, silly, dad, smacks. And when I heard that, I thought, you know what, I'm not too worried about that. I actually want there to be a foundation of where my authority is respected. That God is our father and we need to be the same. You know why? Because God disciplines us as well. Who here has ever been disciplined by God? I know I have many times. I mean, some of you might be thinking, oh, what I'm going through is because God hates me. He, you know, he doesn't like me. But no, it's actually, maybe it's God disciplining you. And I've felt God's discipline in the past. And I tell you, I'm terrified of it. 
And I'm terrified of that discipline because even though he loves me, he wants to discipline me. Uh, Hebrews 6.12 says, God disciplines those that he loves. So if you've ever been disciplined by God, it's because he loves you. Now, there are many things that he disciplines us in, but I think one of them is like, just by way of example, is our gratitude. I mean, God wants us to be a grateful people. And maybe that's why you're not getting your breakthrough because you are not grateful enough. I don't know. And maybe God is withholding something to discipline you. So maybe just be aware of that. You know, but I'm terrified of his discipline. I do not want it. Something else that makes me tremble before God is, um, and this is a big one for me, is missing out on his will. I don't want to miss out on God's will. And I'm saying that, no, we need to fear God in, in a trembling way. Sometimes it's not all based on trembling fear, but I believe that it needs to be a part of it. I believe that we're, we're missing something. We're missing a small connection with God if we don't really fear Him in some way. Now, it's a righteous, healthy fear. Being fearful of being disciplined by God, I believe, is a good, healthy, righteous fear. Now, missing out on His will, I'm terrified of that. You know, I know I speak to people about, are you, are you worried about missing out on God's will for your life? You know, some people say, yeah, heck yeah. Other people don't even think about it. I am terrified. And I'm also terrified because I know what I am like outside of God. We just saw a testimony about a man, and he knows, and I'm sure he understands the fear of God because he knows what it's like to be outside of God. Now, my testimony is different, but I know what I'm like. And I believe that that's what the fear of God is, knowing what we are like outside of his will. And that should terrify us. I know that many of my own natural desires and inclinations and thoughts lead to nothing but destruction. And I want nothing to do with that. And the fact that if I follow God, I'm going to be staying away from those desires, that pleases me. The fact that if I stray from God, I know where I'm going, that terrifies me. So I want to stay within his good, perfect, and pleasing will, Romans 12 tells us. His will is perfect, it's good, it's pleasing. I don't want to miss out on that. And the thought of it, the thought of one day maybe standing before him and him saying, I wanted you to do all these things, why didn't you do them? I know you've got excuses, but why didn't you do that? I'm going to face up to that one day, and I don't want to face that. I want to be able to get before God and for him to say to me, you did everything that I wanted you to do. Well done, good and faithful servant. Now, I'm not talking about God loving us. God loves us unconditionally, I know. As, as Pete said this morning, God loves us. It's about, it's about pleasing him. It's about wanting to do the right things for him. Now, I, the, the thought of me missing out on that, I tell you, it strikes me with terror. And I believe that it needs, there needs to be a small element of that in our relationship with him. So, I just want to encourage you this morning to look into that, to think about that. That I believe, I truly believe, there needs to be a fear factor in our walk with him. And to do that, we need to maybe consider that from time to time, we need a revelation of how amazing he is, how righteous he is, and the fact that he does discipline his children. And just like real children fear their parents when they're good parents, they're righteous parents, when they discipline them, maybe we too should do the same with God, with the living God. Something else that I believe the fear of God is, and this is a good one, this is a nice one, it's not just terror, although I do believe it's part of it, but it's also awe, just being in awe of God, just being overwhelmed by Him. When you read the word fear in the Bible, in your, in your reading, when you read you must fear God, there are times when the context is just be overwhelmed by Him. Just be in reverent awe of Him. 
Just be so overcome by who he is. In Psalm 33.8, we read the following words. It says, Let all the earth fear the Lord, and let all the inhabitants of the world be in awe of him. Now here the word for awe is a Hebrew word called yare, which simply means to revere or to fear morally. To revere him. To be in absolute awe of him. Now, we need to be in awe of him for many, many reasons. One basic one is his his incredible attributes. When was the last time that you were in awe of God's amazing attributes? His majesty, his power. When were you in awe of that? When were you in awe of the fact that he has forgiven all of your sins? The fact that he's your healer? The fact that he's for you? The fact that no weapon can remain against you? The fact that you are indeed destined for greatness because one day you will become like Jesus. Who of you are in awe of his will, of his plans, of his purposes for you? Of the fact that he's defeated sin and death and every single enemy that could ever stand against us. Who's ever been in awe of that? Who's looked around in creation to have a look at the splendor of what he's done at yourselves, at your families, at this nation, at this country? Who he has ever stood and just thought of everything God is and his incredible attributes? his love, his forgiveness and just gone man, I'm gobsmacked (sighs) that's what I believe that being in awe of God is just being gobsmacked just go (sighs) mate and just stand there there needs to be that in our relationship with him there needs to be those times we're missing out in something if that doesn't happen a couple of weeks ago I think I even spoke to Jess when she was singing was gobsmacked. I just, I just could. I, I seriously, I love worshiping, and it was, so, it was just some anointing or something released for me when she was singing, and I just stood there and I just went, oh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't sing. I just could not sing. I can't tell you what I was overwhelmed about, but I was overwhelmed about something, and it had to do with God, and it was awesome. And I just stood there, I think, God, you're amazing. God, you're incredible, man. I am absolutely gobsmacked. That's what being in awe of God is. Have you? One of my favorite parts in a wedding, obviously, is when the bride walks in, beautiful, radiant, perfect in every way. But my second part of any wedding is then looking at the groom and seeing him absolutely gobsmacked at his beautiful princess walking in. Have you noticed that? They just go, they're just absolutely stupefied by their beauty and, and radiance. go, oh. I was when I got married, and I, and I love that. I love it, and I believe that that's what being in awe of God is in this context. Just considering all these incredible attributes, you just go, "Oh God, you're incredible!" And just stand there and just, just in absolute awe of everything that He's done, of His power, of His Majesty, and everything that uh, that He is and He's done for us. I um, just again by way of, by of example, um, who has ever been in awe of His holiness? It's one of the many things that we can be in awe of. And it was one of the things that I personally, constantly am in absolute awe of God. In this world where there's just so much pain and suffering and death and horrible things, isn't it amazing, isn't it awesome to be able to see a God that's perfect, that's pure, that's altogether lovely, that's altogether good, that nothing bad exists in Him, that He is so self-sufficient and so amazingly radiant and beautiful. And I just go, oh God, there is just nothing, nothing bad or wrong in you. That makes me fall in awe of him. 
When I read Revelation, I, think, I find it interesting how you know, God has many attributes, but one of the attributes that gets sung about in, in the book of Revelation is his holiness. Nothing else. Yes, he's loving, yes, he's powerful, yes, he's forgiving, but you know, have you noticed that all they sing in heaven is about his holiness? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. That's being in awe of him. I reckon that's awesome. I reckon that's what we're going to do. I reckon that, you know, most of us have probably pictured what we're going to do when we see God, you know, and I've thought about, you know, I'm going to ask him this and talk to him about this, and why did that happen? And, and when this person this, and why, you know, and I reckon I'm going to have my thoughts, I'm going to walk, I'm going to see, and I'm just going to go, oh. Holy, holy. I'm going to join the rest of the angels and go, nah, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. And I'm just going to sit there. I reckon that's all that we're going to do. We're going to stand. We're going to be so overcome by his awesome holiness. And you know what? We don't have to wait till we die. We can do it now. We can do it now and just build our relationship with him and just be in absolute awe that we serve such a holy, holy and righteous God. Something else that I believe we should be in awe of is his work in our lives. And we just saw that testimony. Seriously, we should look at each other, to look at his church, and just be in awe of God. I tell you, this church is filled with testimonies like that. Get to know each other. Get to know each other's stories. They are absolutely unbelievable. Every time that I see, I'm glad, I was saying, saying to Tony, I'm glad that uh, I didn't preach off the back of that, and, and Pete had a great idea of doing a song. Before. I tell you, I would have been a mess. Just coming up here. I just, those things, seriously, God's transforming power. I tell you what, that makes me in awe of him. I just go, oh my goodness. Oh my, and then he's continuing work. That's just the beginning. Now he's continuing work. In my life, my testimony, I put it down to one sentence. It says this, if it wasn't for Jesus, I'd be dead or worse. What could be worse than dead? You imagine it. But seriously, I became a Christian when I was 24. I didn't bring up, get brought up in a Christian family. I was anything but a Christian. I was a very, very naughty boy. And I tell you, if it hadn't been for God, I, that, that seriously, that's, that would be where I would be right now. I'd either be dead, killed somewhere, or I'd seriously, it would be somewhere much worse than that. And I just look at God and what He's done in my life. He's transforming power. And the fact that there's still so much more, and I just go, Holy, holy is the Lord. And just, just an absolute awe of all that he's done and all that he is. And I tell you, get to know each other's stories. And that, that should cause us to be in awe of him. Because at the end of the day, everything points back to him. And I love, again, I'm just using Tony, I spoke to him this morning. And I love his heart. And when we were talking about it, you know, it was feeling a bit funny. Because, you know, it feels a bit funny to have your whole life, you know, opened up to, to, to people. Uh, but I love what he says to me. He goes, I just hope that God gets the glory for it. At the end of the day, I think that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. And if we do give God the glory for it, we're going to be in absolute awe of what he's done in our, in our lives. So look to each other, look what he's done in your lives, and then go back to God and go, you are. Your transforming power is absolutely and amazingly awesome. So when the Bible talks to us about fear God, that's definitely an element that we need to consider. Just know that we need to. And if we don't easily fall in awe of him, let's work on that. That's, what, that's, that's, that's grace for that. Say, God, grant me a revelation of your awesomeness. And I know that he will. Talk to people and then you'll see how good God is and you'll fall in awe of him. Get to know his attributes and then you'll fall in awe of him. So to develop a real healthy fear factor in our relationship with God, I believe we need to fall in absolute awe of this living God. This next one, it's a, it's a great one because God is just incredible and true to God. Everything that he asks us to do, every one of his commands, everything that he wants us 
to, uh, to do for him, ultimately, is actually for our own good as well. It's not just for him. It's not just because God wants to set all these rules, but it's actually because, man, if we do these things, we're going to be blessed. And I tell you, there are many blessings associated with fearing God. They are innumerable. And that's my third point this morning, that we need to know and understand that fearing God actually also is an absolute blessing. It's an absolute blessing in our lives. In Psalm... 128, it says this. Blessed, see, I don't, I don't lie. It says there. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. And I love that word there. All, blessed are all who fear the Lord. You want to be blessed? Fear the Lord. Develop a real relationship with him in which you truly, truly do fear him. And there will be many blessings come your way. One of them we find in Proverbs is wisdom. Uh, 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 Wisdom is, uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Now how is that? Now you think about it. How can fearing God equal wisdom? Well, if the first one is, um, what was my first one? It's trembling. That's going to develop intimacy with God. And if the second one, it's awe. That's also going to you know, develop intimacy and obedience with God. Now, obedience and intimacy can only equal into wisdom. Because then we will know what to do. I, I was talking to another guy who has recently come to our church. And man, his wisdom has grown so much. He, um, he said to me the other day, I've come up with a, my first analogy. You know what? Church is like a vacuum cleaner. And I was really proud. I won't say who he is. I don't want to embarrass him. And I went, oh, is it really? I said, he said, yep, I believe church is like a vacuum cleaner. No, he didn't mean that church sucks. He said, church is like a vacuum cleaner. Says, you know why? Church is like a vacuum cleaner because every time I come here, all the dirt in my life gets sucked away. All the dirt that I collate throughout the week gets sucked away. I'm thinking, here's a man growing in his wisdom. Here's a man who knows what's right and what's wrong. And how many of us don't feel like, how many of us know that, man, we need to get to church? No matter what's happened, we need to get to church because of everything that happens throughout the week. I tell you, fear God and your wisdom will increase. Fear God and you'll know what to do. Fear God and obey Him and you'll know what to do. And your wisdom will grow and grow. I tell you, something else that I believe um, is a blessing from God um, is, let me get it right. I've got lots here. I'm going to cut it down a little bit. Um, Fearing God, ironically enough, is, I believe, the way to overcome other fears. I think that's a huge blessing of fearing God. I think it's the first step. Because it's all about what, what we magnify. Are we going to magnify what we fear? Yeah, or are we going to magnify God, the living God? And I truly believe that when we magnify God, all those fears ebb away. In fact, the very first step towards overcoming any fear, I believe, it's to repent and get before God and say, God, I repent. I am sorry that I ever saw anything bigger than you. Lord, I, I repent that I focus on this thing instead of focusing on your goodness. I'm, Lord, I, I repent that I, I, I focus on what people say about me and my past and, 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 and my future and what I've done instead of you and your grace. That's how when we focus on him, his goodness and his grace, all the other fears will ebb away. 
That's how I've overcome my fears. I know when I first started preaching, I thought, how can I preach, Lord? I've, I've never been to Bible college. I'm barely saved. Um, I, um, you know, and you start wondering and doubting and, and fearing. And I'm thinking, no, Lord, it's surely, surely not me. I ran away from I'm there. No way, Lord. Surely not me. That was my real honest answer to him. But as I focused on God, those fears ebbed away. As I focused on him and I felt this conviction coming straight from the throne room of grace, God saying to me, yes, you're all these things. Yes, you're not qualified. Yes, you're not a trained public speaker. Yes, this. Yes, you don't have an experience. Yes, this, this, this and that. But I've called you. Tell you what, when I felt that, I, th- I couldn't wait to get on the pulpit. <laughs> and they let me on there. I tell you, what, my fears just went away. I didn't care. I didn't care if I didn't know very much. I didn't even care if people disagree with me. And I still feel like, I, I, I love what Luther said. If the world's against me, I'm against the world. I didn't care. Now, I, did, I didn't feel that when I first felt called to preach God's word. I felt anything but. And the reason why I got there was because I was able to focus on him and magnify him. And then I settled my call. And that gave me the confidence. That, okay, that's where you want me to go. If God wants me to do it, it's going to be all right. At least I'll survive. At least my family will still love me. <laughs> Even if it all goes wrong, it doesn't matter. You know? But it's as we magnify him and seek him. Think of your fears right now. And I tell you, focus on his magnitude. Focus on his bigness and you'll know those fears will ebb away. His fear dispels every other fear. You've got wisdom, you've got fears, and many, many other blessings that are the result of establishing a real, healthy, balanced fear factor in our relationship with him. He's worthy. He's truly, truly worthy. Can I get the musicians to come up, please? The fear of the Lord, at the end of the day, is about putting him in his right place and putting ourselves in our rightful place, exalting him, focusing on him, magnifying him, and taking our eyes off ourselves, our situations, our problems, and our own fears. There has to be times in our life when if we truly do know God and His power and His righteousness, the fact that no sin can coexist with God, the fact that we can only come before Him because of what Christ has done for us. Yes, God loves us. Yes, God overlooks our sin. Yes, God forgives us. But there's only one reason why He doesn't choose to see our sins. And that's because When you give your life to Jesus, He sees Jesus. He no longer sees you. That's our position in Him. But there is also our condition, our falling condition. And I know there are many things in my life that need to go away. There are many things in my life that I need to work on. And I tell you, I want to seek to become the holy, righteous man that God has called me to be. And if I do anything but that, anything that strays me from that, does fill me with with fear because I tremble before a holy God but it's not just that it's about being in absolute awe of his incredible beauty and goodness I just want to quote something to you that I read from Martin Luther and uh, here's a man who um, 
who definitely exalted God in his rightful place. I think these words are pretty powerful. I just want to read you something that he wrote in his journals. This is Martin Luther talking about his relationship with God. With what tongue shall I address such majesty? Seeing that all men ought to tremble in the presence of even an earthly prince, who am I? That I should lift up mine eyes or raise my hands to the divine majesty? The angels surround him. At his nod, the earth trembles. And shall I, a miserable little man, say, I want this or ask for that? For I am dust and ashes and full of sin. And I am speaking to the living, eternal and the one true God. In his memoirs, he goes on to say that thanks be to Jesus. Thanks be to Jesus. That yes, that's our condition. That's how we should exalt God to that point. But we don't stay there. We then look to Jesus. Say thank you that because of you, you've now created a way. You've now created a way that I I may approach such majesty with humility, but yet with courage, knowing that we are fully accepted because of what He has done for us. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen and God bless.